Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the 49ers Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and this week we're going to discuss 49ers free agency. We're going to talk about Brock Purdy's successful surgery, Odell Beckham Jr. looking to get back into the league, and what draft picks the 49ers have looking ahead to the end of April's NFL draft. In the plus section, which will be released on Thursday, we'll talk overall NFL free agency. We'll talk the NCAA tournament that's starting on Thursday. Some brief Oscar thoughts, including a review of everything, everywhere, all at once. The Netflix show 1899 and the season finale or the overall season of HBO's The Last of Us. But like always, it starts with the Niners. Let's talk Niners. So before we get into the first day of, it's not necessarily free agency, but Monday was the first day of the legal tampering period, which started at noon Eastern Standard Time. Just a quick update on Brock Purdy's elbow surgery. If you don't know already, Purdy had surgery on this past Friday, March 10th in Dallas. It was apparently a successful surgery. It was the internal brace repair procedure only and reports are saying he should begin throwing in three months again best case scenario again 49ers medical staff even though this was the texas rangers orthopedic surgeon who performed it 49ers medical and rehab staff doesn't have the greatest track record with players coming back from injury so i would just say hold your breath there Trey Lance will be the number one quarterback operating for OTAs, mini camps, and the beginning of the preseason. And the question of what veteran backup would the 49ers bring in has already been answered. And it's not Matt Ryan. It's not Andy Dalton. It's not Marcus Mariota or Carson Wentz or Gardner Minshew or Nate Sudfeld or Nick Mullins or anybody that I thought it was going to be. We do have an answer. We're going to get to that momentarily. But first off, let's talk re-signings that the 49ers made going into the free agency period. So right tackle Colton McKivitz, who was a restricted free agent, signed a two-year deal worth up to $5.8 million. Now, I think compared to what Mike McGlinchey got, with Denver, which we're going to go over, this is at a fraction of the price. It's almost an eighth of the pr- an eighth of the price when it comes to a contract. So, if we're talking about orders of magnitude, is Mike McGlinchey better than Colton McKivitz 10, 15, 20 times better? I'm not sure. Now, McKivitz will not be the only right tackle. He's not going to be slotted in there as the starter. Jalen Moore will probably get a look. Um, Nick Zakiel was a tackle at Fordham. He may get a look at center, depending on what the Niners do, or as a backup guard. And I think another uh, draft pick will come in. They, they're going to need a swing tackle anyway. And there could be a low-cost um, veteran that they sign you know, in the next week or so. So more to come there. Next was free, sh- free safety to Sean Gibson, who signed a one-year $2.9 million deal. Of that, $2.17 million was guaranteed. 
He has a $40,000 per game active roster bonus, which means every game he is healthy and active, he makes $40,000. And an additional incentive of $300,000 for personal stats and or if he makes the Pro Bowl. Now, this was a fantastic signing, much more than Gibson made last year. Started out on the practice squad, was insurance for Jimmy Ward, got elevated immediately, played all 17 games made around a million dollars. So a nice 50% or more bump for him, given his durability, given his production, which wound up being among all safeties in the league, Gibson was had the number one passer rating allowed. He was number one against the run and number two in his missed tackle rate. Now he is 32. He's going to be 33 this season. We're banking on good health again this upcoming season, but we know that there's going to be a draft pick in the mix. So right now, there's still currently only three safeties on the roster. Gibson, Hufunga, the presumed starters. George Odin, the backup at strong safety and really brought in for special teams. So there's going to be a draft pick that's brought in and maybe, again, another low-cost veteran free agent, but they're only going to carry four safeties on the active roster. But that doesn't mean that on their 90-man roster, they're only going to have four safeties, God forbid, injury, etc. So they'll probably have maybe six safeties that they're going to bring in, or, or maybe seven that they're going to bring into camp. But good news that Gibson's coming back. And at defensive tackle, Kevin Givens, another restricted free agent, uh, undrafted free agent, so it made his signing, I don't want to say tricky, but the 49ers did not want to waste time mincing over uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which sounds like a lot to us, but to the 49ers, and I guess to Kevin Gibbons, it's not, but he did sign a one-year $2.1 million deal, $2 million of it guaranteed. He is a really good rotational piece, an undrafted free agent, like I mentioned several years ago, out of Penn State. They needed defensive tackles. They only had three on the roster with Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, who's often injured, and Kalia Davis, who was a rookie last year, missed all year coming back from ACL reconstruction. He will be, he could have played at the end of this past year. He will be healthy this year, but a good rotational piece at a fair amount. Now, transitioning from re-signings, let's go into who the 49ers signed on the first day of the legal tampering period, because again, free agency doesn't officially kick off until Wednesday, I believe at 4 o'clock Eastern time, which means any deal that was announced yesterday or today are essentially terms that the player agreed to with his new prospective team. Any re-signings could be made uh, automatically because you're re-signing with your existing team. But the big splash, and on a lot of people's free agency board, the number one free agent out there overall, defensive tackle Javon Hargraves from the Philadelphia Eagles signed a four-year, $84 million deal with the Niners, $40 million of which guaranteed. He is 30 years old. So let, let, let me just let's start out with the good. This beefs up the defensive line. This is admitting, which we all knew already, that Javon Kinlaw has not worked out. He has unfortunately been a mistake, not necessarily his fault given the knee issues, 
but basically the 49ers front office's fault for drafting a player that had knee issues in college that is not something that really gets better over time. Kinlaw did have reconstructive surgery last year, was limited to about half of the of the regular season games this year and some playoff games. Hargraves is coming in from that dominant Eagles defensive line where four players had 10 sacks or more. Hargraves was one of them. But I just want to be clear with everybody what player the 49ers are going to be getting. In his first four years with the Steelers, he had 14 and a half sacks total. First year with the Eagles, four and a half sacks. Second year, seven and a half sacks. Last year, 11 sacks. And, and you could say that 11, those 11 sacks are attributed to who he had around him. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, the player that knocked Purdy out. I'm blanking on his name. But do I expect 11 sacks this year on the 49ers defensive line? No. Out, you know, Armstead is not as good as the players I listed. Bosa is right up there with Hassan Reddick. Finally can remember his last name. We'll see who the 49ers bring in opposite Nick Bosa. If it's going to remain Drake Jackson, then he needs to take a big step forward. But at the least, it's an improvement over Javon Kinlaw. So maybe the hopefully the 49ers get a little bit better luck with this Javon Hargraves versus Kinlaw. But a big splash. And what's interesting about the number two, the number that he signed for. So usually when contracts are signed, the guaranteed money is what matters most. And usually the guaranteed number is more than or significantly more than half of the total amount that was announced. So Hargraves was $84 million, $40 million guaranteed. This, I think, is a good deal for both sides. The Eagles weren't going to go that high. Hargraves was looking at the Browns. Lucky for San Francisco, you know, they wound up getting Hargraves instead. But that four-year $84 million number is the number three years ago that former defensive tackle um, DeForest Buckner signed for with the Colts when the 49ers decided to re-sign Eric Armstead trade DeForest Buckner to the Colts, who then re-signed for eight years, four years, 84 million. And then with that first round pick from the Colts, they signed, unfortunately, Javon, or they drafted Javon Kinlaw. Now, four years, $84 million, you could say that's aged well with inflation, with a crazy amount of inflation and banks failing, etc. I guess that's mathematically a better deal now, but Hargraves is older now than Buckner was when he signed it. But regardless, they needed help on the defensive line, especially the interior. And now Javon Kinlaw becomes might like um, Kevin Givens and like Kali Davis rotational piece. So he's not expected to play 50-ish snaps a game or in the 40s. Maybe he can play in the 20s or 30s. Keep that knee healthy all year. And then he will be a free agent. And unless he has a healthy rotational piece type of year, 
I don't foresee the 49ers resigning unless they can get him for cheap, like a Kevin Givens amount, like two million, two and a half million dollars a year. But again, even to me, is that a lot of money for someone who's shown that he is often injured? The other free agent signing the 49ers made from another team was a quarterback who right now is the number two quarterback, but will ultimately be the number three quarterback when Brock Purdy comes back. And that is former Jet and former Carolina Panther Sam Darnold. He's 26 years old. He signed a one-year deal, the terms of which were not disclosed, which probably means it was less than maybe what the market or the media anticipated a player like him would get. Now, I was saying on last week's podcast that a veteran backup would be in the 3 to $5 million range. There are players that have gotten more than that. Taylor Heineke got up to $10 million a year with the Falcons. Mike White got up to $8 million a year with the Dolphins. We're going to talk about more about this on Thursday. So to get Darnold for significantly less than that and probably less than $3 million, I think for a number three quarterback, I think it's fair to say Kyle Shanahan likes his athleticism. Was he put in a good position with the Jets? No, they didn't really have much talent, plus the whole mono thing and the New York media, not blaming the New York media, but I don't think he was really set up to succeed. And that draft class between Mayfield Darnold, Rosen, it's really just Josh Allen, and um, that looks like, obviously, the the one that <laughs> is uh, making hay in that class, and I, I guess uh, Lamar Jackson, if that's the same class, I apologize, I don't remember, but coming in as the number two slash number three quarterback, I, I like it, um, if for no other reason than the money aspect, I think what Kyle runs, although complex, is a quarterback-friendly offense, a lot of playmakers. And Darnold's issue in college and with the Jets was turnovers. He did better with his starts with Carolina this past year when he started, because remember, Baker Mayfield was brought in and he was starting the majority of the games. He was 4-2, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, with not a ton of offensive weapons to work with. So he rejoins Christian McCaffrey, former Panther, and former interim coach Steve Wilkes, who is now the 49ers defensive coordinator, two players that I'm sure general manager John Lynch and head coach Kyle Shanahan tapped into to see if it was going to work out. Now, this, what's really important about this signing, too, is ego or lack thereof. They needed to bring someone in that would know their role, that would be the backup if something happened to Purdy going into the regular season, say he's not healthy and he's put on the uh, physically unable to perform list, which means he would miss the first four or six weeks of the season. That would, He would be okay being the backup for the first month, month and a half. But then when Purdy's healthy, he automatically becomes the number three quarterback. He still may be active regardless of what the NF, if the NFL allows an emergency third quarterback to be active on game days or if teams like the 49ers just have three quarterbacks active on game days. Someone that's not going to rock the boat. Obviously, Sam Darnold wants to reignite his career. He still made a good amount of money being the number three overall draft pick with the Jets, but now the 49ers have on their team two quarterbacks 
that were former number three overall picks in the draft. Darnold's 26. I think Lance is 22. And I think Purdy's 22 or 23. So a lot of youth in the quarterback room, but at least Darnold has been around for four years. And again, a solid number two slash number three insurance quarterback. And I still expect there to be a quarterback drafted, say, in the fifth or seventh round or an undrafted free agent to have another arm in training camp. Now, free agent losses, players that have signed with other teams, defensive tackle Hassan Ridgeway signed with the Houston Texans one year, $4 million, $3 million of which is guaranteed. Makes sense for Ridgeway. D'Amico Ryan's former defensive coordinator is the head coach. Makes sense to bring in a pretty good player and also to a culture builder which I think Ridgeway is going to be. In addition, safety slash nickelback Jimmy Ward will be signing with Houston as well. His terms are undisclosed. Again, makes sense. D'Amico Ryan's flexibility, either free safety or nickelback. This was, this was a money move. Now, Jimmy Ward spent nine years in San Francisco four years or five years on his rookie deal and another four or five that he signed to an extension. He's 30 years old. This is his last chance to get a decent payday. He's not going to win anything in Houston. I think he understands that going in. And at some point, you're either the veteran who has played on a bad team you know, your entire career and you want a taste of the playoffs and maybe a deep run or Super Bowl, or you have the player who's, who's tasted success, gotten some money, and wants to cash out. Jimmy Ward is looking to cash out. I don't begrudge him. I, I, he, he battled injuries. The beginning part of his career has been healthy. The latter part, especially the past two years played really well, both at safety and nickelback. And he's, you know, he's doing what's best for him financially, even at, even at a discounted price. I don't think the 49ers would have taken him back just because like, look at the money they spent on Hargraves. They've signed their own free agents They need some money for their draft class. They're not done bringing free agents in. They're they're probably going to bring in another handful um, of players, whether it's their own or outside players. There's only so much money to go around, and it's apparent that the 49ers are prioritizing the defensive line more so than the secondary. Yes, they brought Charvarius Ward in last year. I doubt they're going to re-sign Emmanuel Mosley unless his market dries up due to the fact that he's coming off of an ACL. They did give Jason Verrett like three chances, former cornerback. He better not be coming back to the team, coming off a torn Achilles to get healthy and get right. I'm sure they're extending that philosophy and some type of offer to Emmanuel Mosley. But if he doesn't need to play on a one-year prove-it deal and he can get 10 plus million dollars on a multi-year deal from the market, go for it, man. You only have a set window to make money. Go for it. Love to have him back. But we just have to see what the market's going to look like. And last but not least, Jimmy Garoppolo, as I'm sure you know, signed a three-year, $67.5 million deal with the Las Vegas Raiders, $34 million of which is guaranteed. Makes sense. Now, I thought Carolina would be a good fit for him, Just and that was before the Panthers traded up to number one overall. That made the Panthers not a good fit. I never thought the Texans were a good fit. The Texans are number two. In the NFL draft, Panthers are going to take a a quarterback. The Texans are going to take a quarterback. 
The Raiders pick a little bit later. We're going to get into that. But it's a spot right now where Jimmy got, I think, a good deal. It's about $22, $23 million a year on average. 34 guaranteed. I thought that was actually a little low. I thought he would get close to 30. But then the, look, see what the Raiders are doing. They saved money versus Derek Carr. Carr got um, four years, $150 million, $100 million guaranteed. Jimmy got a third of that. Now, if you're going to get comparable production for a third of the price, you do it every time. He reunites with Josh McDaniels, who he played for in New England. Now, the whole Josh McDaniels thing, I think, is a little blown out of the water. Remember, Jimmy only started two games in New England, one of which he got it, he got hurt. Now, that's, that does not mean he wasn't practicing and getting reps and playing in the preseason. And there wasn't really much garbage time that, that he was playing behind you know, Tom Brady. So he doesn't have an extensive, uh, he, he only has two games, less than two games starting experience in Josh McDaniels' system. But he is familiar with it, and this is someone that Josh McDaniels handpicked. Now, looking at the roster, the way it kind of breaks down, he's getting $90,000 per game as a roster bonus, which means if he's healthy, because he has had injury issues, and he's playing that week, he makes $90,000 a week, which turns out to be about $1.53 million a year. And he also gets up to $1.5 million per year in playing time and playoff incentives. Now, like I said, this other than the Jets, which are obviously all in on Aaron Rodgers, and he's still just stringing them and the Packers along, as of Tuesday, um, there's been no word yet. We'll see if we can get one soon. The Jets and the Raiders were the only places where he wouldn't be looking over his shoulder. Tampa Bay, to a certain extent, with Kyle Trask, but the, the Bucks were wildly over the cap. They did maneuver to get under it but it would have been hard to fit Jimmy in. Like I mentioned, Carolina's got the number one pick. Houston is the number two pick. They're going to take a quarterback. Arizona is at three. Maybe they trade out, although they need a lot of help across the board. Kyler Murray is hurt, but you're, obvi- you're obviously not drafting a quarterback unless you really don't believe in Kyler Murray and you're trying to unload him. Indianapolis has the fourth pick. They should take a quarterback. They're going to get rid of Matt Ryan. Sam Ellinger isn't the answer. They should be picking up a bridge quarterback, and they should be drafting someone at four. The Raiders are at seven. That's not to say that a quarterback cannot last until seven. But between Indy at four and the Raiders at seven, Seattle is picking five. Now, yes, they signed Geno Smith to a three-year, $75 million deal. They could draft someone and let him sit behind Geno for a year or two. That Seattle could use that pick On a pass rusher, yes, they made the playoffs. They are far from a perfect team. But if Seattle is going to start trending upward, they're not going to have the chance to draft, you would think, this high next year or the year after. So they could draft and stash a quarterback. And Detroit is number six. Detroit does have Jared Goff, but is he going to be a long-term answer? And if an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or Bryce Young, or C.J. Stroud fall, I think it makes sense. Now, again, Detroit just missed out on the playoffs. They beat Green Bay the last game of the regular season to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. The only reason Detroit was knocked out because Seattle won their game a couple hours before, 
But again, Detroit could be trending upward if if they don't believe, if they don't want to give a lot of money to Goff in an extension. I'm not sure when they can get out of that contract. And a quarterback is there. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. Detroit could use help in other spots. And Atlanta's actually number eight. So Atlanta has Desmond Ritter. They signed Taylor Heineke from the Commanders to a two-year up to $20 million deal. So I don't think they're going to be drafting a quarterback. So the Raiders still could. And they could get out of Jimmy the Jimmy deal after one year. They would still owe him about, I think, 10 to $12 million after that. But I, I think it, it lines up that the Raiders could if someone's there. But God, do they need help on defense. Boy, so I would I would expect the Raiders take a defender with the seventh overall pick. Now, let's just take you know a thirty thousand foot view uh, of Jimmy as a Niner fan. His draft made them instantly watchable. I want to say relevant, but watchable. Drafted for him in October, sat for a couple weeks, learned the playbook, won the last five games, got hurt the next year, led him to the Super Bowl in two thousand nineteen made the Niners relevant. I'm not going to say that the that Jimmy Garoppolo alone made the 49ers a destination for any free agents or anything like that. No. Teammates loved him. Regular season record of 38 and 17. Regular season stats, 38 and 17, 67.6% completion percentage, really high. 13,600 yards, 82 touchdowns, 42 interceptions, a 99.2 rating. The playoffs a 4 and 2 record, 60.6% completion percentage, four touchdowns, six interceptions, a 74.1% rating. Yes, Jimmy obviously did not have a great playoff run, win losses, yes, stats no, but for someone who came in was 42 and 19 overall, made a Super Bowl, two other championship games, I, Jimmy's career I think will be looked back on fondly wasn't his fault that they lost the Super Bowl wasn't his fault that they lost the NFC championship game against the Rams he was banged up and he kept them afloat this past season until Purdy took over glad to have Jimmy and I'm I'm curious to see what he does in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders again when you look at the stats other than win losses which again isn't Derek Carr's fault because he's been saddled with a Raiders team who's had a defense that's historically been ranked 20th or worse since he's come into the league. So take away the win-losses, the touchdowns, the QB rating, the yard, like these are comparable, but they got him for cheaper. And I think Derek, I think the teammate aspect, I think Derek Carr and, and Jimmy G are, are, even though I don't know them at all, obviously, I think probably equally good dudes and equally good teammates. Um, I think Jimmy's got a better chance of, of plowing through a bunch of Vegas showgirls. I mean, he is better looking than Derek Carr and Derek Carr is married. Um, but I, I'm curious to see what he does with McDaniel and how much of an upgrade either statistically or from a record standpoint, it's going to be, it's a tough division, man. They're not leap, you know, bringing in Jimmy G doesn't make them leapfrog the chiefs or the chargers, maybe the Broncos, but I do have some faith that Sean Payne's going to get that turned around. Now, to free up some salary cap space, because at one point yesterday, the Niners were negative $2.5 million under the salary cap. Doesn't matter until Wednesday. 
but they restructured cornerback Charvarius Ward's deal, creating nearly $10 million in cap space. So just that move alone is going to fit in Hassan Ridgeway because he has a low cap number the first season, I think about $6 million. And Sam Darnold's contract, again, is, is peanuts in the grand scheme of things. But others that will... Christian McCaffrey's deal will certainly be restructured. He is signed for the next, I think, three years at $12 million a year, but it's salary. It's not guaranteed. No, no money left on his contract is guaranteed. They will rework that, and it'll, it'll lower his $12 million cap hit at least for this year and, and possibly in subsequent years. Fred Warner's deal may get reworked if needed. And if Nick Bosa gets an extension, hopefully he does. It probably won't be until the summertime, but once that does, that's going to probably free up another $10 million in cap space. Now the Niners have spent some money on the D line. Eric Armstead, now Hargrave, Bosa, even just the money he got as the number two overall draft picks, a good amount of money. And even the investment with Javon Kinlaw as a number one draft pick, even though it was mid-ish first round, I think his cap number is about $5 million this year. We're going to see what the 49... The 49ers will have money left. Again, they're going to... McCaffrey deal will get worked out. Fred Warner's might get restructured. And Eric Armstead's might get restructured as well. But I know the 49ers are diligent about how much money they want to push into future years and guarantee and not be able to move around again. But how much money are they going to have for a defensive end? I think they should bring back one of Jordan Willis or Kerry Hyder. I think Charles Amenahu will find a market. And if not, he's welcome back as well. And like I said, they need to have four pure defensive ends on the roster and one player that can play either D end or D tackle. I've been reading some articles. There's rumors that San Francisco is looking to trade Kinlaw. I don't know who's going to take that on. I mean, there's going to have to be like a thorough physical. You might need to bring, you you know, you might have to give him an MRI, bring in a psychic, a witch doctor, something to to guarantee that that knee is going to be okay because it hasn't been. If they do trade him even before June 1st, They would save $2.7 million on the cap, but they would owe $2.2 million. That's why I came up with that number, about $5 million, what his cap hit is. What kind of pick are they going to get? I mean, at best, a fifth? And I think it would probably be maybe closer to a sixth or a sixth or seventh that could become a better pick based on playing time, how, how much he plays for his new team. I mean, I, I, they don't need another pick in this year's draft. And we're going to go over that in a few minutes. They can get, if that pick can come in next year's draft, great. But I, again, I don't, I don't know what they're going to get for him. If he can stay healthy as a rotational piece, $5 million isn't terrible. And again, it, if they dump him, or if they trade him rather, they still owe him two point, he's still going to be on the books for $2.2 million. We'll see. Other noteworthy news coming out of free agency. The 49ers were in attendance at Odell Beckham Jr.'s workout earlier on in this week. They were about one of 13 teams that were there. Now, they're not signing him. Again, you can never say definitively his market would have to dry up immensely. He apparently wants $20 million a year. That is obviously out of the 49ers price range and going to be out of a lot of teams price range. 
I wonder if he is most likely going to need to sign a one-year prove-it deal coming off of the ACL reconstruction. Now, that was done um, February of 2022. So he's, by, you know, he's well over a year, well, he's 13 months, 13 months removed from an ACL. By the time you get to minicamp, that's like a, a year and a half. And that's generally when things start to get right. Now, this is his, is his second ACL reconstruction. I, you know, living in New Jersey in the tri-state area, there was always talk that was OBJ a malcontent? Was he a bad teammate in New York? I don't think he was a bad teammate in Cleveland. I think he's one of those players that gets a bad rap. Um, but I don't think um, the 49ers are going to sign him. Sorry for the phone in the background. I think his best his best deal is, is it a one-year prove-it deal? Does Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, do they get really, really impatient and want to sign him? And I think they're gonna, he's going to have to wait until a team has an injury, whether it's in OTAs or minicamp, training camp. Again, desperation may get Odell the deal that he wants. But again, a player that I think is right around 30 years old, this may be his last chance to get a big deal. He's seeing what players like Adebo and A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, who's around the same age as, as OBJ, what they're getting, 25-ish plus million dollars a year, and he wants to cash in. Talent-wise, he's right there. It's just health is an issue, and he's been on a lot of teams, and teams are going to look at that and say, you know, is it him, or is it the team, or is it the situation? He will be on a team, just a matter of how long he's signed for and how much money he's going to get. And last but not least, draft picks. So the 49ers, so the draft is until end of April. Earlier on this week, the NFL awards compensatory picks, and that is based on either any minority uh, hires that teams made for either um, a GM or a head coaching position. The 49ers over time lost Rand Carthon uh, to a GM position and Mike McDaniels. Uh, to the head coach of the Dolphins. So they wound up getting compensatory picks there. And then it's for players that they lost in free agency the year before. So they led the NFL, San Francisco did, getting seven compensatory picks. They have 11 picks total in the upcoming draft. No pick in the first, no pick in the second. But they have three third-round picks, three fifth-round picks, one sixth-round pick, and four seventh round picks. That's 11 picks. But 11 rookies are not going to make this team. So I can see the 49ers maybe in an instance trading into next year's draft, say trading a seventh round pick this year. If there's a player that a team really, really wants for a sixth round pick next year, I think between six and eight players are going to make the team. I I think they should take some swings at safety, a center, a D-end, another corner, a tight end for sure. I definitely think they need to bring another tight end to complement Kittle. They only have two on their roster. And this is why I think the 49ers had an idea of what they were getting compensatory pick-wise. This is why they were okay with trading a second, third, and fourth in 2023 and a fifth in 2024 for McCaffrey. It's still a lot when you think about it, but draft picks are generally a 50-50 proposition, but they knew that they were getting, they got 
a third back. They got a fifth back. They got a couple sevens. Now, it doesn't equate totally to what they gave up, but the 49ers have shown that they pick better later in the draft than early on. So it makes the McCaffrey trade, I think, to me, look even better. So that concludes the 49ers section of the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And again, it's representative of the first day of the NFL's legal tampering period. We will be back on Thursday as a completely separate podcast. It will not be an add-on to this podcast for those of you that are following, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or through social media notifications. You'll see that... um, that there's going to be a separate uh, file titled Episode 30+, plus, where we're going to talk anything new about the 49ers, any players that they sign in free agency. We'll go overall NFL free agency, some quick thoughts on the NCAA college basketball tournament, which starts on Thursday, a brief discussion on the Oscars. Last night I watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, so I have some thoughts about the movie and the uh, wins that it had at the Oscars. 1899, the sci-fi show on Netflix. I want to give you a review of that in addition to the first season of The Last of Us on HBO Max. So hopefully you come back on Thursday. Enjoy the next couple days. NFL free, agent, uh, free agency craze that's going on, and we will talk soon. Take care.